Hi everyone, welcome back to another of the Raw Show with Michael McDonald and another very special guest. We have Rune Sovendal joining me today. Rune, thank you for joining me on the show. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So Rune is the CEO and co-founder of the Fantastic Services brand, one of the leaders in the home, office and garden service industry and he's based in London in the UK. So he's he's worked with Anton. Oh, I'm going to get this name wrong now. Anton Scarletoff. There you go. Thanks very much. (laughs) So he's he's got a lot of of information, a lot of knowledge around running the business. And just before we we got onto it, he says he's he's run his business to an over multiple millions of, of pounds each year but he's also done it organically so there's a whole host of different avenues that we can take this so i'm excited exactly well, it's going to be, be interesting to talk to you about this and, and 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 share some of the some of the some of the secrets um about our company excellent i i, I can't wait so before we we dive in i thought we'd we give people a bit of context about us all right so would you be able to share with with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm rune i grew up in uh, in denmark um uh and uh, it's, it's a few years ago now but i grew up in denmark and uh uh, had a lovely normal childhood. Um, the difference was that I grew up in the early 80s and this stuff, and both my um, my parents were programmers, um, which is the reason why I'm not a programmer, but that's another longer story. <laughs> but yeah. So I grew up there. I grew up there, and then I went, um, I, 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 I studied uh, marketing, and uh, first I became a chef of all things. Um, before I went into uh, before I went into university, and then I studied marketing and business administration, and then I, I got a, a university degree, had a career in in various different businesses, and started trying to be an entrepreneur since pretty much since childhood. Um, I thought I was going to s- create uh, mazes. It's always been in my blood to do this stuff. Um, so it's always felt like I, I remember organizing my desk and saying, I mean, one day I'm going to, you know, like run a company. And this. I, I always had that feeling. And the funny thing is that I also thought that I was going to be running something, an IT company um, that was mixing IT and some other industry. And I knew that when I was like five, six years old, it was a very strange, uh, strange feeling. And then I went in to become a chef um, because I knew that I was going to end up this way. So I wanted to do something first before I started <laughs> working. It's very interesting, but I kind of knew it. It was, it was, it was, it was like it was predestined um, to be where I am now. Yeah. I mean, I, well, one of my first questions was actually going to be, why, why did you decide to go into to marketing from being a chef? And first of all, I mean, when she, I, I really enjoy being a chef. I mean, it, it's the hours, the work, I'm never shy of working and, and anybody who knows me is I'm not shy of working. I'm not shy, shy of putting the hours in. Um, and it was more an interest of that when I was finished with, uh, with, with high school, I didn't really know what to do. And then I was in the army and I got interested and got a passion for food. And then I just suddenly got into that, that whole industry and it opened up for me. Um, while I was there, I unfortunately or fortunately in some ways might say um, suffered from allergy, which meant that I couldn't work as a chef. Um, so I had to to leave that, and then um, I kind of I looked at I remember looking at this university thing, and it was like okay, and I spoke French at that point fluently, so it's like okay, and that's also French, 
So there's English, there's, there's, there's marketing, there's French, there's stuff here, and there's a two-year. Okay, I can do that. You know, and then I just jumped on that. And then after a couple of, uh, couple of months in that, I just found it so fascinating. I had never heard about, uh, you know, assets or debits or credits in a business. And I just found it so fascinating and so straightforward in some ways of, of how business worked. And I was so fascinated by it. And then I realized that this was what I've been, been, been looking for. And then I really dug into it. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to figure out how it works and how to set this stuff up. So that was how the jump went. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So how how did um, this 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 business came to be? Then were there any particular any particular moments, any defining factors that you think? Okay, well maybe maybe this was the way to go, and then fantastic services came to be. So what was the uh, the, the lead up to that? Fantastic services was a, a product of something that both me and Anton had worked on for a while, um, but not together. Anton had worked on this, this model for, um, this model for, for, for cleaners, this model for, for, for getting recruitment, for training. He'd worked on this model. He came up with this model of, of how to get better quality out of it. Um, at that stage, I was doing marketing for um, a, a very large UK based uh, travel, uh, travel company online. Um, I was doing their marketing and then we met and, it was very quickly that I saw that Anton wanted to go somewhere with this and he had a lot of really good ideas about how to get service available to everyone and get it at a decent price. And one of the things that frustrated us the most when we met was I was actually looking for someone to clean my carpet because I had, um, I was moving out and I couldn't get my deposit back. You know how um, the deposits are like three months rent and whatever. And, and yes. this is cash money. So, and you have to move to the next place. So you have to pay even more. And when you're upgrading, you, you know, you sit there with all the money. Then um, Anton had come up with this idea about deposit return guarantee on the cleaning, um, on carpet cleaning. And so, so, okay, this is a really good idea. This is someone who's thinking differently about an industry that first to me seemed very boring. Then we started talking about it. I said like, let me look at your website and stuff. And then I saw that he didn't have, a, we didn't have online booking. We didn't have an app. Um, there was no sort of, nowhere you could actually pay online or even find prices or even availability online. And that was really frustrating because I was looking for, 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 for someone to come and clean a car. I didn't know what it was going to cost. One site said 45 pounds, the other said 135 pounds. I'm like, okay, so there's no comparison stuff. There's nothing like there is in travel. And I'd been in travel for that for three years. So I said like, okay, this sounds like a really, really fun challenge. Uh, and I said, well, if I can at least put the prices up and make it transparent, then we have a business that people will like. And we tried it and three weeks later, I left my job and uh, moved on to full-time because I could see that this was, first of all, an industry that I liked. It was somewhere where the competition was different. It was somewhere where I could make a difference. And it was somewhere we could change an industry and put it online. Um, and our first company was called First Online services or first line solutions because the idea was the first to be the first and that's like nine years ago when we tried to do that being the first one where you can book online and where you can pay with card and everything was was was, was transparent um, and that was where we started and that was what became fantastic i mean we started with cleaning and then we we had a customer calling us up and said like i can't get you to come and do my end of tenancy cleaning and this was a 300 pound job very very big flat because the removal guys hasn't arrived yet and then you know, quick thinking Anton, as usual, 
comes up with ideas like, okay, give me, give me 10 minutes, right? And 10 minutes later, he had arranged for a removals van. And that's how Fantastic Removals was born. Uh, so, because we didn't want to lose the 300 pound booking. You know, we were, as I said, <laughs> from the beginning, we were organically funded. So 300 pounds, yeah. so we didn't want to lose any bookings. So, so that's how we came up with the removals company. And then we just went on from our customers asked more and more of us. And that's how we grew into this multi-service company we are now, where, um, where we have, we have an, a range of services that's based around our clients' needs. And we'll keep inventing and creating services that people need. Um, and try to keep it in a way that it's transparent and it's in within what we call the fantastic quality um, and the transparency in, in, in booking and the customer service being at that level. So yeah, uh, that's how it happened. All right. Well, there's, there's so many, so many things that I want to ask you about, but I thought we'd, we'd start with something quite, quite relevant, I guess, to the, the average person that starts the business and then we could probably move on to things that, things that you might know that others might not, so to speak. But um, what, what hardships did you actually experience in the, say, the, the, first, the first six to 12 months? So what, once you got things going, were there any particular difficulties or, or hardships that you experienced? Well, we started exact time that the recession was on. Uh, we started the exact time and actually the reason why we, we, we took the direction was because one of the clients of, 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 of Anton's company before was Lehman Brothers. So that's kind of how we started talking and it's like, okay, we need, some, we need to help each other here. <laughs> you know, we need to look at this and say, how, how, can, we, how can we get this working? And it was a very, very, uh, very funny meeting and that's why we went so fast at it. Um, the hardship was that when that recession was happening, you know, everybody was saying, no, 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 we can't do this we were used to being able to get factoring on, on invoices. There was nothing you could get from the bank. Uh, we needed to lease cars. We needed to lease equipment. We couldn't get that. Uh, there was absolutely nothing to get with regards to financing and this stuff, but that helped us getting creative. I mean, we, we, we had launched and we jumped over and said like, okay, well the phone call starts coming in. I built the first website and, and then the phone call starts coming in and then this is good, but, how do we get the cars and how do we get the service? How do we get the carpet cleaning machine? How do we get all this stuff organized? And that's, that's, uh, and that was the real hardship in the beginning, you know, like, you know, with zero money, you know, we're, we're, we're going from day to day here. You know, how do we, how do we make the first bookings? How do we get this stuff done? You know, I mean, you know, zero money, I, I say zero, but we were talking about a couple of thousand pounds, you know, like yeah. not in double digits. That was what we, that was what we agreed on, you know? Um, and then we started, so, but we couldn't get the leasing. So that was really hard when you have no track record. And I think that's for everyone who starts is that you realize that if you move from somewhere else or if you do something, you realize that suddenly your company has a trading record of three days and your company has a trading record of three days. Um, nobody's really going to lend you money. Um, you know, that's why there's this venture capital and all this other stuff. But then it's a whole different ballgame from what we started. We just started this because we want to solve a problem. We didn't think about venture capital. We didn't think about this stuff. Uh, we didn't think about going out and fundraise or private equity. We didn't think about any of these things because we knew we had a good idea and we just knew we just had to do it. So that was the hardship about suddenly, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to pay my mobile phone for, for this. And, you know, that, that's it. That's what we're going to use, you know. So we lived in our office, um, you know, which was cheaper. You rented one apartment and then we had the living room, uh, and kitchen were the, the two offices that's where we worked from and then we had had the bedrooms and that was the first two years of the company so it wasn't easy but it was fun 
so there the might be there might be a lot of, of backstory, I guess, to this as well. But there are so many people that that do have a problem that they want to solve, uh, a bit like yourselves in the the first couple of the years. But you, but the there's no way of like launching it. So obviously, you need or you might need a certain amount of, of financing just to get things off the ground. So. Mm-hmm. There could, there could be a lot of people that have businesses or have ideas or have this, I really want to solve this problem, but they don't actually see the light of day because there's no, there's, there's no possible feasible way for them to do it. But you seem to have, you seem to have managed it yourself. So what was it like in terms of being able to, to get things going? And to, you, know, you mentioned that the, the kind of budgets that you were having were in the, in the thousands. So how, how did you work around it for the first couple of years? Well, I think I think I think this is where it becomes you become creative, and 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 I I would always argue, right? And and this is something that that the longer I got into it about the organic uh, growth stuff is right. Um, you have to use something called your unfair advantage, and if you can't get a web designer to do your website or, the, or your logo for almost nothing, uh, then you're probably starting at the wrong place. Uh, a lot of companies spend a lot on on branding logos and everything else in the beginning there's been a lot of how is our feel going to be in this stuff and that's at that stage you haven't had a single customer uh so i think that it's it really was about turning the idea around of what what is important in a business what is it that what is it that that that's crucial and what is not crucial and i think we cut off a lot of this stuff we cut a lot of spending on time on on, 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 you know, we didn't have PR for the first three years. We didn't even have a logo. I mean, you know, logo was, was a font type. I still think our logo is a little bit like that, but you know, it's, it's something that we're constantly improving on, but it wasn't the most important thing to start with. The most important thing was to get the first booking, get someone out there and do a great job for the customer and the customer would buy again. And, and it was about really cutting off all the things that didn't matter. Like really, really thinking about every single way we spent. It's like, is that ever going to give any return on it. And sometimes now we're still too frugal on some things, uh, you know, too frugal on, on some things and, and, and hadn't paid ourselves for a couple of years ago, we didn't pay ourselves and, and had, had, had difficulties with the, with, with struggling with this and still living in the office. You know, there's a point where he's like, sorry, I can't do it anymore. You know, yeah. and, and we actually had the money, but we wanted to grow so much that we kept reinvesting. So every single time we made money, we reinvested it. Um, and you know we 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 lift off porridge and everything else. So really cutting basics. I think it's very hard to get an idea off the ground. I think everybody will struggle this, but I think that there are those who are very good at raising the money and and, and making everything look like this. And then you know you can always put the veneer on it afterwards. You can always put this stuff out. We have a proven model, which is why you know we're um, we're talking to 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 private equity. We're talking to VCs now. You have a proven model that's profitable, and they're interested in working with us now. Um, and we worked it up from scratch, so we know every single little thing there is inside the industry, and every single insight. And this works. This doesn't work. And we've built systems based on that. Um, but in that start phase, you have to really think about what is really important. I work with a lot of guys who are starting up their business, and you know we have a. I have a small agency that does um, SEO and IT and websites for a very low cost um, that, that, that delivers this because everybody asks, Rune, how can I get a website at that price? Because you, you seem to be able to do this stuff with, without this. I say, yeah, because you actually don't need half of the things you think you need. Um, prototyping is so crucial now. There's a, 
a system called uh, or an ideology which I didn't know when we started called the Lean Canvas, which later I've I've I've, I've discovered and found that there's some really useful techniques in there um, in the Lean Canvas of finding out what it is you actually need. The problem it doesn't solve is that that deals with your problem or your solution, but it doesn't deal with exactly this problem here of how do I get the cash, and that's why I have to erase it. My best bet is if you don't need cash, you know, find out how to sell the first product. Find out to sell it even when you don't have it, right? Uh, and, and that's what we did. We just went at it. And, and that's how we've been keep growing. So I think that's, a, that's, that's, that's my advice on there. And then be seriously, and, and even when you grow up in a business, you know, when you start looking at your ROI and you've got to produce a bigger EBITDA and when investors start looking at it, you know, you've always got to be optimizing your business into saying, well, we're going to run lean. We're going to run this way. So I think learning that from scratch has been very powerful for us. What was running through your mind then when you were, when you were having to make those decisions? So you, you mentioned asking yourself what was crucial, but when things got down to the wire, you mentioned having to spend a couple of nights in, in your actual office rather than where you were living, that, that sort of thing. So when things got difficult, what, what, what did you base your decisions on? Well, I, we kind of, we kind of, at that stage we were all in. And I think that's, that's a very big, I think that's a very big, uh, big factor here in success is that once you go all in, you know, and I, I've heard that the best entrepreneurs are not those who, um, those who, who, the true entrepreneurs is those who, who can't really work other places. They just have to make it because at that stage, you just don't have an option. You know, it's like, there is no quitting. You know, this is, this is what I'm doing. I've been doing it for, you know, two years now. This is what I'm doing. I've invested two years of my life here. I said like, you know, not only that, I haven't taken money. We're growing with hundred percent year on year or at that stage, we're growing even more but I haven't taken real money out. I haven't done this. Um, an MBA would cost me what, I, I don't know what an MBA costs, but it's a lot of money. Um, that would cost me this. I've spent more money now on doing this. And that meant I've actually learned more than an MBA would have done um, in some cases. So I, I saw it as that opportunity cost. But what goes through your mind is that there just wasn't, there wasn't a plan out, you know, at that stage, because we just had to make it because otherwise, how am I going to pay the staff? You know, suddenly we had um, we had six staff. Suddenly we had twelve. You know, now we're about three hundred and fifty in in our call center. Um, so so they had to be paid every month. Um, so at that stage, you know, suddenly the responsibility came not just on you, but it became on, on other people. And I think that's what went through your mind. It's like, how are we going to pay them next month, and how are we going to make sure that every single investment we do isn't over over overstretching ourselves. All right. So, what what was it like? Like when, when things were difficult, then what what sort of strategies did you use to to get to the other side? Because it could you could start to feel like that's that's just the way it is. So, so, when things are difficult, you could have the the impression that this is just the way the business is. This is what your day looks like. This is what your week looks like. This is just the way it is. But you seem to have you seem to have built it to a point where like you. you it got a bit easier, I guess, in, in certain respects, and you were able to, to start to grow the company. You got out of the, the rut, if, if you will. What was the, um, the moments or the actions or the strategies that like, started that process of getting out of that? Well, I, 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 this, is, this is a very, very, very interesting question because I've just been reading the, um, the, 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 the um, what's it, Knights, um, the, the founder of, of Nike, 
um, who, who for 20 years, the first 20 years of, of Nike's history, um, every single year thought Nike was going to go bankrupt, you know, and then this yeah. was the last stretch they had, you know. Um, so it's it very interesting to see that. I think that it's, it's, it's also what we call productive paranoia. In some ways, you know, you've got to make it. But what, what was crucial for me was somebody gave me the book, the, the when to stick, the dip, when to stick and when to quit. And we knew that we had a right product. We also knew that the industry wasn't there. Um, so you had to evaluate that. Am, am I destroying my career or am I just, just working for the sake of working at that stage? Um, and, and, and that book was a, was, a, was a huge help. It's like, when, 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 when are you pushing something uphill? That's, or when are you in a hole and you can't push it uphill? And I think we, because we were two founders and, 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 and we could pump each other up that time and we had an agreement um, between us and we would go like, well, you know, there were, of course there's time and there's lots of times when it's like, so, you know, um, Anton would poke me on the shoulder and like, you've got to go for a swim, mate. You've got to go, go for a run or a jog or something else because you're about to hit that wall, you know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and likewise, it's like, okay, well, now it's time to go for a walk uh, because, you know, you, you, you couldn't necessarily see the solution and you start working like that. So I think we backed each other up quite well on that. Um, and that was the nice thing about having uh, the business partner. There's a lot of things that's hard, but there's also an extreme amount of benefits once you do it right. Yeah. Well, what is it like to to run a partnership then? Because you, you you can often hear stories of like fallouts, and then you know some you know there are there are a lot of disaster stories out there regarding starting a business with a friend or, or whatever it happens to be, and then the, the friendship suffers and all, and all that sort of thing. But what was it like for you? So there's, there's always in partnerships. I think there's always it's in all relationships. I think that. When, whenever we had the biggest sort of fallouts was mainly about whether this was the right timing. I mean, what you've got to realize in all partnerships and even in, in, your, in, your, in your personal partnerships is about timing and, and then understanding the other person that, that is this the timing that we're doing this? Is this the right time to do this on a personal and a business level? Um, I think that's where, where the biggest disagreements have been. Um, and I think we, we, we run by something that we, we later found out was called radical candor. We didn't know that. Um, but we just decided to say things as, as they are to each other, which could be quite harsh at times, you know, and there could be some, <laughs> some pretty, pretty heavy feedback. But uh, the whole thing is that if you don't work on feedback and if you don't talk to each other, you're never going to grow together. Right. So once in a while, when you haven't got the feedback across or it seems like the person hasn't understood stood the things, then it becomes more, more tense. So I think that what we did was we, we have established a way of being able to give each other feedback. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, it can be a good, good, it feels like a good punching, but on the other hand, um, you know, if we don't have that, we don't grow and it's with all of us. And I think it's the same in, the, in relationships as in partnerships. I think it's the same. If you don't communicate and if you don't, if you're not honest and true to who you authentically are, then how are you going to come from a position of strength? How are you going to, feed your partnership how are you going to be part of what you are um and and there's times when you think that oh this person isn't adding value we've had partnerships right and, and we're not the only ones in the company who's, who was there in the beginning there's a couple of other people um and i think that it's it's very much and um, there's a lot of things that i learned now about how to vested shares and all this other stuff which we had no clue about in the beginning um so that meant it was quite expensive to, um, to buy certain people out of of, of some of the partnerships i've done um, so there's a lot of learning in that. 
I think when you go in there, everybody is happy and everybody seems to be um, going in the right directions. But what you, I like to see with a partnership going to work is, do we have the same goal? And, and we're not talking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a billionaire. But do we have the same goal in the, in the journey and in the process? And if you have that, your partnership is more likely to last. And then, you know, I'd say that you have to compromise. You have to compromise and sometimes you're not right. Sometimes you have to, to, to admit that. And sometimes you, you have to understand what the value of, of, of having a second opinion is. Um, so partnerships are fundamentally, I think, more likely to fail as far as I understand with business um, in the statistics. Now, the, the good thing about the world is that it's not about statistics. I mean, you know, if, if the world was a statistic, it's about math. Uh, two plus two equals four. It doesn't equal something else unless you're um, pitching to an investor or something else. Um, so that's how the real world works. So statistics is what you make, what, 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 you, what everybody else does around it. But you can always be an outlier and an outnumber in it. So I think you have to push really hard and really uh, deliberately know that a partnership has to work on it. And you have to nourish that relationship. And whenever we don't do that for a little while, things tend to slide. And then we can see that. You know, there's always times where you go like, oh, well, this was a the holiday was a little longer than it should. And you're sitting there and you're like, I'm juggling everything and vice versa. So I think acknowledging that and saying that, I think is very important being honest with it. Um, it takes a lot of the conflict out by being able to talk to each other. And be honest. Oh, Have you got a particular um, example of that for, for us then? A, a moment when perhaps things might have worked out a little bit you know, worse of an outcome if, if you hadn't communicated with each other? Well, I think, I think, it's every, every, uh, uh, I think every year we've had that. Uh, I'm just trying to think about the most recent one. Uh, that isn't too too much company information, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, because there's, there's always always company informations. Uh, I'm just trying to think of an example of this, uh, but I don't think there's anything that comes straight to mind um, that 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 I can sort of mention of it. Um, but it is a tricky. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. But it is a tricky thing where, you know, they're like in all other things. I mean, you know, um, what we did. And this is the difference in our partnership. We wrote a three-month clause into our first shareholders agreement of if we got in a debate and a fight, you know, and, and we were really angry about this stuff. First of all, we, we did about how we value it. And there was a time, and it was a couple of years ago, when we were about to break up the company and go like, oh, this isn't going to work. And, and you know, you know we, I, I wanted to grow it, and, and Anson wanted to grow it, but he wanted to grow it in that way, and I wanted to grow it that way. And we wanted to, you know, one wanted to put more money into building the Australian one, and I wanted to go more in the UK one. Uh, and, and then we were debating about whether we should open the US again or whether we should, should invest more in the US and, the, and that this discussion. Uh, and that led to a, you know, like a, the almost three months of, of silence, you know, in the, in the partnership. This is a couple of years ago. And, and we'd written in that, that you couldn't sort of resign as a director and this stuff here. And you had the knowledge and how many hours you had to spend and this stuff here. We wrote that in. And that three months allowed us to think, allows us to take a deep breath back and to, to sort of like get back on it. And, it's like, and then you realize the company was more than us. We're not, you know, the company is, is bigger than us at the end. And, and at that stage, you know, with all the employees, that was what was important. So, um, so and then, and then we, we found, out, found out how to get back on it. Isn't it? 
turns out that the misunderstanding, because once we then started talking honestly about each other, so now the misunderstanding was just really that a misunderstanding of miscommunication of, no, but I want to do this and this and yeah, but I want to do this and this it was like, instead of saying, actually, if you just said, yeah, yeah I would like to go, uh, go away for a month. It's like, okay, well then, then do that. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's about communication at the end of the day. Yeah. But that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think it was just in the beginning of when we started Australia. All right. So you mentioned, um, I think it was a couple of minutes ago now where you mentioned that you've actually grown the, the company organically you haven't had any outside investment yet yet you've still been able to to grow it you know past the the seven figure mark is there anything that that you can can maybe point to as to like why you decided to go down that road initially and then if if you think maybe it could be of um a benefit maybe that you did it that way as opposed to getting capital you know in the the first instance instead i mean what what was it actually like to to grow the company to that point without any you know without any financial help it it really depends because remember um uh, or, or or if i can explain a little bit both me and anton had been entrepreneurs before and this wasn't our first business um so we had learned a lot of what we call unfair advantage of how certain things worked on marketing and so forth. Uh, I was running global SEO on a travel agency at that stage. So that meant that, you know, at that, at that thing, I had the most current update of what goes on, on, on the marketing side of things. Um, so, so, so you could do this and, and our company started with this stuff. Like where is, where is a way of, of growing a business that we can then afford building the software uh, and going out this way, um, you know, and then I, then, then after two years after we were running, we saw a competitor racing 40 million, we were like, whoa, you know, and then we saw them four years later disappear and you go like, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so the decision, the decision is very hard. It really depends on what you're going to do. And I, I would never say there's not one right answer here. And I, as, I, as I say, it's the business is, there's a lot of science in business, but primarily it's an art and it's about people. So if you've got the unfair advantage of knowing where the customers are and what they're doing and, and, and good those deals, use them. Use those to get your leverage. Once you've got your leverage, like, like the discussions we have with investors now, because we are opening up and we do want to take over a bigger part because we believe that delivering this service to more customers is going to be beneficial both for, both for our franchisees and for our customers. And we can see we build a healthy system that's got a huge potential for growth. So now we're looking at how do we grow that even more? How do we get the investors in the right way? And how do we do it on our terms? And I think that, that you know, unless you, you, you know, you're Mark Zuckerberg with the, with the algorithm at, at, at that level of saying, well, I've already got a million customers and blah, 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 then it's very hard to dictate your terms. Um, and it was kind of one of the things we, we wanted to, to have a little bit of control over it because I also had a lot of friends who got the funding first and lost control of it. And after three years, they were wiped out of it. And, and we, we were good at what we were doing at that stage. Uh, not saying we're not good anymore, but, but, but saying we were good at what we're doing um, at that particular level. And then we wanted to grow personally. You know, we wanted to learn new things than and, 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 and just the function we were doing. Um, so that was why we chose that way. Uh, now, in retrospect, you know, everything looks different in retrospect. Um, we, we probably worked up more what's called management debt than we should have. 
by not raising money at the right time. I think that was where we we hit uh, we hit a we hit a brick wall a couple of years ago. I think it's three years ago we hit a brick wall with management depot where if we weren't there, nothing was running. You know, things were falling apart left, right, and center. If we weren't there for two weeks, for example, um, that 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 was something that's built up just by saying, well, underinvestment in 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 the management infrastructure in the company. Um, now we've we've invested so much in it, and we built the software from scratch. Uh, we rebuilt the all the all the four apps and everything else. So we've invested heavily in also in our technical infrastructure. So and then we've redone that. So we hadn't do the stuff, but that's where you have to ask. I mean, also where do you want to go as a goal? Um, this started as a business where we wanted to solve a problem. We wanted to see how far we could take it. And then once you once you start getting in on the path of the organic stuff, there's something about pride. Right? When I saw the, the Saudi competitors spending all this money and then going bust, there was something about pride. We were like, we're there and we're still profitable and we're still growing. Uh, and that fueled our creativity even more. I mean, so, so, so competitors raising 10 million and burning them and then what's next, you know, and then ending up almost nowhere. Um, and I saw so, so many of them was like, well, so it kind of made us us. It kind of made our pride. And it's like, it's what's so inherent in the culture of the company. We, 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 um, we take it very serious of what we're trying to achieve and the goals we have. So I think that was, what, that was really what it was. Would, would this impact the, the daily goings on of the business then? So you, you wanting to, to do things or organically and try to do things a bit more naturally than having the investor side of things. Did this, this impact how you actually grew the business, like the, the strategies that you used, maybe the, the conversations that you had to have with customers and, and, and all that side of thing? What was the, the actual growth process like, knowing full well that you haven't got the, the budgets that the other companies might have had? Yeah, I think, I think, it, made us, I think it made us stronger as a team. I think we, we, we got stronger in what we're going to achieve. And then we just kept doubling down on what worked. And, and, and we were so testing everything over and over again. I mean, I've, uh, I've done a couple of, of, of uh, talks on, on how to control cash and how to do things yourself, not hiring, hiring consultants to the stuff. A lot of things you can read, a lot of things you can do, you can, you can learn on YouTube. I mean, we live in the best age of times here, right? You've got radio shows here where, like 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 Roa, where you can listen to entrepreneurs who's done it and who will give you their their train of thought, and you've got uh, university degrees on Coursera and Udemy and everything else where you can go in and learn these things. So I think you know you can spend fifty thousand on a on a on a consultant to solve this problem, or you can go and do it yourself. Um, I think bartering as well was was a, was a very 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 quick trick. Uh, like we do this, you do that, you know, and it was like, I know that the economy didn't like that in the beginning, but when you're a startup, um, you know, it's, it, it works and it's very, very smart, you know, and, and it's very, it's a very good way in the beginning to go like, okay, well, as I said, if you can't get someone to make your logo for free, then you're probably focusing on the right, on the wrong things. Um, and then you so I said, so that's the best thing to do. It doesn't have to be the best logo. You don't have to, I mean, Apple's logo the first time didn't look particularly pretty. Um, and you've got to think about that. And, and, and not be too vain in what you're doing. Is, is there anything that you, you mentioned bartering? You meant there's, there's quite a few things that are probably easier to have those conversations with than others. 
So in terms of like doing things yourself and all that kind of thing, I, I would imagine that there are a lot of people listening to this that probably could do a few things themselves. And there are lots of software packages out there now. And there's lots of different tools and things that you can use. But when it comes to, to Barton, I'd imagine that there are a lot of people that might hit a bit of a, a brick wall with like what they could barter over. So if you, is, is there any... Is there any examples of maybe something that like you were able to barter over that you didn't think that you would? Well, the first, the first, uh, the first uh, articles of association we did, um, um, we couldn't afford a lawyer, right? <laughs> they, they can be quite expensive, uh, yeah. so we built the website. So we built the website, uh, you know, in WordPress, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, there are certain things you. Everybody has a skill in something, uh, but it's also Remember, we were a little bit older than 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 than, than some of your first time starters. I mean, in my first business, I used to hire hire people in to do this, and then in my in my very first business, I spent too much time trying to learn how to code a website, and I'm not very good at it. I can do it, but I'm not. There's a lot of people who's better at it than me, um, a lot better. Uh, so 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 it would be a waste of my time now. So to to, to start playing around with WordPress again, but it, it was the process of learning how to do it, and that allowed me to learn other things. Um, so I think you've always got some kind of quality that somebody else needs. And I think that's, that's fundamental, uh, in, in everything you do. You always got some kind of quality. I mean, um, if you think about it, then, you know, I think I had three jobs when I was studying at the same time, you know, just to make sure, make end meets and pay for my tuition and pay for my rent. Uh, so, you know, and then you learn certain things. So you can always do one, one job, you know, there's, you've got more hours in the day than you think. Um, so there's always a way of, of, of doing something and you might be a specialist in something. You, you've got to figure out what your unfair advantage or what your unique uh, ability is and then uh, emphasize on that. So I think everybody inside can find something they can battle with. Um, I, think, I think, you know, after you've done X amount of, of, of podcasts, you know, the, the, the knowledge you have heard from talking and asking the right questions means you could really ask the questions. You can condense that down to the five principles of success or something else that then becomes a value. So I think it's all about finding value in, 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 in who you are and what you do. And I think everybody has a value, um, but I don't think everybody is looking for that or maybe emphasizing on it or trying to dig it up. Yeah, so for I sure. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Has everybody has one. I mean, everybody you meet, it's always about everybody has a value. You can learn something from everybody. No matter what level you are, you can learn something from everybody. Everybody has a value somewhere. But if you forget about that and you don't nourish it, it's not going to show. So you have to look at what is your value. And, and then it's like when you feel you don't have the value, you probably have more value than you think because then you probably are more, have more empathy than others. So there's always something in this world where, where generosity works. So even if it's doing the dishes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's always something. And I sort of, I mean, with, with the kind of people we work with and, and the people we work with, we've learned there's some amazing people who would never gone to university, who's never had a day in high school in the, and are incredible people, have so much value, so much skill, so much people knowledge, really understand how to command a room of 150 people. And it's beautiful to see, you know, and as I said, really don't judge that stuff and then, and then let people grow their own value. Because we all have it somewhere in, in, inside. Hello? 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, the uh, the sound went off a little bit. Then it's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, it happens. All right. So, what what what? I'm I'm quite curious to to find out what what it, it's like for you at the moment. So, what's your what, what, what's your day like? Have you got like a particular routine? Have you got a certain way that you like to structure your day, or or not? What what's it like? Well, my role is changing at the moment because from being very operational into now being more strategical. Um, I'm so lucky now that we have some great managers in the company and we have some great leaders as well that, that's been built up. Uh, so I'm very lucky at that stage. Now the next phase is where do we go next um, and when? What, what, what's the next market? What's the next service we do? Um, and that requires a little bit of reshuffling in how we, how we were doing things before. Um, we got we got a few new services coming out this year. That's going to be that's 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 going to be really big as well. Um, that does a large part of the of of the country, and we're going to try to disrupt those services like we've done with everything else, uh, like trying to do them in a more efficient way and be more transparent on it. So we're launching launching a couple of services there. Uh, my day at the moment is still a lot about uh, performance management, um, but now it's also talking to a lot of investors because there's a lot of uh, companies that's interested in us. There's a lot of uh, private equity uh, that's interested in us, and how do we how do we help them grow? How do we get? You know, as I said, we're one of the very few in the industry who is still profitable and has been profitable since day one. So it's a very interesting place to be, and it's always better to negotiate from your position of strength than it is from from your position of weakness. So now my day is luckily it's back to a little bit of dreaming again about where we're going next. So I'm always finding out and asking the teams, what can we do more in this one here? How can we do this? So at the moment, it's data gathering about where we're going to go next, how we're going to do this, how we're going to do that, what kind of services is out there. So right now, I'm back in a, in a mix of an R&D role and a financial role. And that's, right, uh, that's cool. a place I really enjoy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are, we are actually coming to, to near the end now. So I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I'm making loads of notes. I hope the, uh, the listeners are as well. Um, one of the things that I'd like to know, you mentioned the, the autobiography of the, the founder of, of Nike. Have you got any other, any other books or resources that you'd recommend for our listeners? These could be the, they could be the straightforward ones or there could be ones that we might not have heard of before. So, have you got any resources for us? Of course, of course. I, 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 I am an avid reader. I mean, the number one right now for me is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. I mean, I have never seen anything written, so many little things where you just go through every single line and go, oops, I should have done that. Oh, no, yep, yes, yes, no, no. And it's like, it's so practical and it's not over bloated. It's not, not too much stuff. So that's a great book, uh, The Hard Thing About, um, about Hard Things. Um, the other one is Radical Candor. I think that the management style of that, which is taken from both Yahoo, Google, Facebook, and a couple of the big ones where this kind of understanding of, 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 of talking to each other um, is also very powerful. Uh, I think the dip is one to go through is whether you should stick in your job or whether you should quit or whether you should start something new. This is a Seth Godin book. Uh, that's the ones that just pops up to, pop up into my head now. I think Ray Dalio's principle is an absolute must read. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of like what I'm, what I'm, or what I've just finished, uh, what's on my radar for, for books, uh, right now it's, I think sometimes it's about purpose 
because I want to grow our leaders to or our managers or leaders, um, but our team to, to, to finding out their purpose because I believe people work best from a position of strength and a position of, of really knowing their, their stuff and really getting on with it um, and, and then really taking ownership. So that's kind of one of the things I'd like to get into this one about the purpose. All right, cool. Yeah, I've I've made a note of those books. I mean, I've I've heard of them, but I haven't actually got around to reading them yet. So they're definitely going on on my I list. For sure. an easy, easy little read. Duck, 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 take through. I mean, you know, and you you can't stop. I made a playlist as a on Spotify of uh, as, a, as a tribute because of his his, his quotes for for hip hop. There, uh, it's it's super interesting. I mean, there's so much truth in it. It might if you're very early stage startup, it's too early. It's it's. Mm. It's too early for early stage startups. There's more like Peter Thiel's zero to one um, that's worth it. Um, but then you, you have to know the lean canvas uh, for, for, for growing it when you're in startup phase. So it depends on where you are. But the hard things about hard things, about how to run a startup and going into the, to the CEO stuff. Another book that I really like because it, it gets you strategically into long term is the book Great by Choice by, um, by Jim Collins, I think. Uh, yeah, it's Jim Collins. Uh, so, so that one, Great by Choice. Uh, about how this is where I mix it with 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 my cave diving and and the other other hobbies hobbies I have is how you 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 plan for having extra oxygen to make sure that you're gonna come out alive. Um, a bootstrapping theory is a book about called the Starfish and the Spider, which is also very interesting about how to make certain things survive and how how if you cut a starfish in two it becomes two. Um, versus if you cut a leg of a spider, it ceases to be a spider. So it's, it's, it's that stuff of how do you build up the department? So if one goes off and this one here, so it still survives um, a strategy, you know, and then there's a long list of all the standard ones, but those are the ones that's very interesting right now. Um, and I think there's some people that's interesting to listen to right now. All right. Awesome. Well, just awesome. before we, we get to the, the last question, um, where can people go if they wanted to find out a little bit more about, about you and what, you, what you've got going on? Um, I think my LinkedIn, uh, Justin Rune Sondal, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm also very active on, I'm active on LinkedIn, I'm active on, uh, on Facebook. I'm not the, the biggest Twitter, uh, Twitter and this stuff here. Um, I, did, Twitter wasn't me, but it's Facebook and LinkedIn. This is where I'm at, so you can go there and follow. I do, do put some articles out there. I do book, book recommendations out there as well. All right, awesome. Right, well, last question for you, and it's the one that I ask all my guests, and um, it's what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? I think um, I think what the world what I'd like the world to know about me is that uh, is that if I'm brash or busy it's not because I'm not interested. It's because I've got a different focus. <laughs> you know, like an apology. When you're very busy, I will shut off. And it's like, that's what I'm doing. I'm so focused sometimes. So I can seem, I can seem quite rude because it's like people can talk to me and I'm like, but I'm doing something else. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's the world. That it's not because I'm not interested. It's because I'm doing something else. And that doesn't mean that X is, is less valuable than this. It just means that that's not in the calendar for that particular thing at that moment. That's how yeah. it works. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm very grateful that you were able to, to carve out the time to join me on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll That's keep in fun. touch. 
And yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to some more of the others. I've, I've been through a few. I love this insight that you really get deep into it. So you do ask a lot of good, good questions. So thank you very much.